Hello and welcome to the I Hear Design podcast, your source for interior design and architecture news, interviews, and opinions. I'm your host, Robert Nieminen, and I appreciate you tuning into this episode, which is coming to you in the middle of the summer break for our students. And speaking of education, a lot has changed with the way we view the design and operation of schools since the pandemic all but shut down our school system just a few years ago. Since then, new approaches to the design of schools have emerged, and in this episode, I had a chance to sit down and chat with furniture manufacturer Arcobell's Patricia Cadigan, Vice President of Learning Environments, who recently immersed herself in the design and construction process of Grandview Heights Secondary School in Surrey, British Columbia. She worked directly with school administration, including Grandview's principal, Darren Bedard, to learn about the needs and wants of teachers, but also how to connect the dots between physical space and the vision of student success. What came from the Grandview project was a new approach and understanding of learning spaces, particularly as students came back to a physical school after virtual learning during the height of COVID. The evolution of needs in education and the realization and satisfaction of those needs is truly fascinating, and I think you'll find the conversation I had with Patricia insightful and hopefully inspiring. Have a listen. Well, hi, Patricia. Welcome to the I Hear Design podcast. It's good to see you. Uh, thanks for being here. Thank you, Robert. I'm really excited about um, having this opportunity to chat a little bit today. Sure. Well, where are you dialing in from today? Um, hopefully the summer heat isn't too bad where you are right now. <laughs> it's a little crazy. Uh, no, I, I am dialing in from Central Texas and the heat is on. Uh, I think we are going for projected to be about 104 today. And then with the humidity, it's going to feel like 110. So Yikes. welcome to Texas. <laughs> um, we live here for a reason, right? Right, right, right. Maybe not the summer months, but boy, we have beautiful fall. Spring, so. For sure, for sure. Well, I'm in South Florida, so it's it's getting pretty muggy here too. But I think you have us beat. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, well, it's good to have you on. Um for those of our listeners that uh, may not be familiar with you, could you tell us just a little bit about yourself, um, you know, where you work and what your role is there? Sure. Um, so my name is Patricia Cadigan, uh, and I am the VP of Learning Environments at Arco Bell. Uh, we are a manufacturer of school furniture. It's all we do is school furniture. And uh, we have our facility here in Central Texas. Um, and what makes us kind of unique is that we do uh, manufacture about 97% of our products are made right here in the plant. So we, we do not rely on any type of domestic uh, resources. Um, so it, we're just, we're kind of unique in that, that way that I, you can say we're a hundred percent USA made. Um, my role, uh, in my background is that I am a veteran educator of 28 years. I was a, a teacher and a school administrator. Uh, for 18 or for 28 years, uh, but in leadership, I had the opportunity to be at the elementary, middle, and high school levels as building principals. So um, I got I got to see teaching and learning from kindergarten all the way through post secondary, uh, mm -hmm. and so with that background, um, didn't really know what I wanted to do when I grew up. I told everybody. <laughs> Uh, and so I had an opportunity to retire uh, from my work in Arizona and uh, come and join the staff here at Arco Bell to connect those dots between what we do as a manufacturer, how we produce our, our furniture, um, help schools connect that dot with how furniture can transform teaching and learning in their buildings. Yeah. Um, 
and with uh, that focus on supporting uh, teachers on how to use um, environments, classroom design, uh, to support how they want their learners to learn. So um, I, I, uh, I have kind of a unique role uh, here at Arco Bell, um, but it's it's great because I still get to be involved uh, with uh, you know the teaching and learning uh, that I'm so passionate about in education. Sure, sure. No, that's that's great. That's perfect. I think your perspectives will will uh, lend perfectly to this conversation, um, and which is I'm ex- excited about today because I know there's a lot that's happened in the education sector in recent years that um, you know we can unpack for our listeners, um, and and really just to learn more about um, how one specific project we'll be discussing the Grandview Heights um, School, how you connected the dots between physical space and the success um, you know of your students and teachers as as you alluded to. So. Before we dive into the specifics of that project, you know, I was thinking we could maybe kick things off by talking about the bigger picture uh, just briefly. Uh, obviously, the COVID pandemic just upended, you know, the education system for a couple of years, um, and that's had really far-reaching sort of ripple effects, if you will. But now that it seems like things have sort of receded into the rearview mirror a little bit, how would you characterize the changes that have happened um, as far as educational facilities, how they're designed and operated? And how has that really affected the way we look at the role of physical space and learning overall? Yeah, um, you know, the the pandemic was was something that I think uh, a lot of people can consider, you know, good or bad, right? And and I really try to focus on the things that that are that are coming out of this experience that we can translate and move forward with and continue to to see that is that is good. And the three things that really kind of stick with me is of course the safety aspects, right? We're really looking at um, improving air quality in schools. We're reevaluating where where do we teach kids? Is it, can we not only inside a building, but outside of the building, giving students that experience of outdoor and fresh air and, you know, being out in in, uh, in nature kind of thing. Um, also nat- natural light, how we, how we have our our um our classroom set up and it i think it really brought to light with teachers too that always closing the blinds are not always a, the best idea um for students um and how can we uh give that opportunity for there to this wellness to to occur in our classroom so there's that also i felt um that came out of COVID is is really uh and a lot of it that i work with schools was you know when we were having to do the social distancing right and really working with schools of how to have agile furniture so they could move this furniture around. Now, as we're kind of coming back to, to I, I don't want to, I, I guess I don't really call it the new normal. I call it, you know, this new ex, these new experiences mm-hmm. is how can we continue to take that furniture and use it to benefit the classrooms? How do we keep our classrooms agile? How do we keep our classrooms um, flexible? And what I really like to think about is, um, what are we doing today? Um, I have a, a, a kind of a, a presentation I talk about plan for today, but prepare for tomorrow. Um, in COVID or not COVID, there's other things that are influencing our classroom so dramatically um, that's creating change. One of those, of course, we know is technology, right? And so what we do today is not what I always told my teachers. It's not what we're going to be doing tomorrow, and it's definitely not what we're doing in five years. So, so how do we create these agile spaces um, so that, that we can continue to change and meet the needs of our learners in our classrooms. And I think the last thing that really came out of, of COVID that, that 
really, I feel we've needed to embrace um, for a very long time and bring to the forefront of our um, classrooms and our learning environments is this aspect of wellness and, and health of our students. Um, and really focusing on how do we create these secure places for all students, you know, bringing, really thinking about, um, you know, making spaces inclusive for all. Um, and also just how, how do students feel? Uh, understanding student voice, um, asking our students, how do you feel when you come into this space? Right. Uh, so those are the three that I think really um, brought to light that we all need to pay attention to. There was so much more, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but as as the dust has settled, those are kind of the three caveats that I'm seeing really stick um, to the schools as as we're moving forward when we talk about design and we, mm -hmm. you know, talk about how do we want our learning environments to function. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because, I mean, it's it's as we were going through it, I think it was pretty difficult to see that there might be any silver linings coming out of the pandemic. But it's like you said, to your point, like there were these things that really needed to happen that I feel like the pandemic accelerated as far as putting them to the forefront, uh, the health and wellness, the daylighting, the indoor air quality, things that are that really should have been done. So in a way, it, it's good that it's happening. I mean, it's unfortunate that the pandemic was sort of the catalyst for that. But um, but yeah, those are really good, good points. Mm hmm. Well, um, speaking specifically about the Grandview Heights uh, Secondary School project, can you talk about that a little bit, like what the goals were and how the design uh, sort of translated those into the physical space um, and, and what and what that all looks like? Yeah, I, I I was so, I had this great opportunity. And sometimes, you know, Robert, you never know when, when things kind of fall into your lap and you're like, hmm. But I've had the opportunity to follow and work very closely with an innovative leader um, in a school that was built, uh, started the design and everything started in 2017. And the school actually didn't um, start to be built until 2021 and then the pandemic. And so they didn't really actually open their doors until um, 2022. So the, there's this journey uh, that the that the school went on and, and the the innovative leader that they brought in to to really focus to to bring this school uh, to where it is today uh, is a principal his name is Darren Bedard and Darren and I have worked together for the last two years on um, how how could he bring the vision of this school to light so the school was designed like I said they started this process in 2017 and it was it was going to be very different. Um, the the uh, in the uh, Surrey School District, which is in British Columbia, um, they hadn't built a new school. I think it was in like 20 years, and this was going to be the first school that was going to be built as a high school. Um, and so they really wanted something that was state of the art, something that was considered a 21st century learning facility. Um, they wanted it to be very modern, and the focus was going to be on uh, collaboration. Um, building a community of learners, uh, they were going to need to pull students from a variety of feeder patterns. And so how are they going to bring these, these students together? They wanted it to be very innovative um, and uh, personalized um, for the students. So that was the focus um, as they started to, to, to build this, this 21st century school. And one of the things that Darren talked about that was his focus as they started to put it together was the, the need to retain relevance well into the future. So again, like what I was talking about, that planning for today, but preparing for tomorrow, what this building, how that building was going to function. So um, so that was kind of the goal uh, in planning the design. Uh, and then as it started to unfold, 
um, they really had some innovative ideas um, that was going to translate into into those buildings. So, as I said, one of their biggest focuses was they wanted to create this this sense of community, right? Mm-hmm. Not only for their students, but also for their parents, also for their teachers. So um, the school is very open, um, not considered an open concept because they do have learning studios. So that the class, the learning environment where students and teachers were interacting there are more of a, a closed space with um, open sites, uh, lots of glass, things like that. But they really wanted this this building to translate as soon as you walked in that, that there was this feeling of community, right? So that mm-hmm. as you walk into the building, there's this three-tier atrium right in the middle of, in the center of the campus. And um, and, and they, they dubbed it as the learning commons. And uh, one thing that, that Darren always talks about is that uh, the, um, see, you know, how does he say it is, uh, the learning spaces say more, uh, about your culture than the words you speak. So he mm-hmm. wanted, when you walked into this space that it just translated this sense of community. Um, so the atrium, the bottom part, uh, was where the community could gather. His staff would welcome parents. They welcome, I shouldn't say they did. They do welcome mm-hmm. parents into that space. It's got a lot of comfortable seating in there. Um, a very open environment where families can wait. Parents can come in and, and wait for their, their child in this space, and it's very comfortable and relaxing. Then you move to the second tier, and it's uh, what we would traditionally consider a library uh, or a resource center. Um, but that focus was really about um, allowing students to gather, communicate, find resources, materials, very open kind of space. And then the third tier was considered the um, what they called the the Grizzly Lounge because they're the Grizzlies, right? Mm-hmm. They're in Canada, <laughs> uh, and uh, the space was specifically de- designed where the students can go and gather and be social uh, together. Again, that sense of community, building that sense of community. They wanted the students to be able to interact and engage and um, support their development, uh, may it be socially, you know, uh, emotionally, um, all those different kinds of things. So, I mean, that's right when you walk in the building, you just, boom, it's in your face. This is a community we support and we all want to see how, you know, we're all getting along. And then as they moved into the the classrooms or into the the more learning spaces, you know, uh, everything's referred to as, as studios, breakout rooms, collaboration centers, right? And very open, very transparent, um, safety, uh, lots of glass. So there's sight lines, adults can see what's going on everywhere at all times. Um, lots of natural light. I interviewed some students or Darren had interviewed some students. It was really cool. And one of the girls, uh, she said, um, she, she made a, a statement about being in this space. My old school made me feel like I was in a box. And, she goes, and now I feel like, like I get to see how everybody's learning. I get to, they get to see how I'm learning. I'm in this open space, you know, and she just turned and made it look like, you know, look at me, I'm in this space. So, so those, were the, those were the goals of the school. And then they took yeah. those goals and translated it into that design and, and sure. absolutely a ma- magnificent space to be right. in. Yeah, it sounds like it. And, you know, you mentioned earlier that they wanted it to be this sort of innovative, cutting edge school. In what ways would you say that the project like sort of embodies these new paradigms for for learning and, and pedagogy? Yeah, so one of the things that that Darren talked a lot about um, that they really wanted 
as as they were looking at that this they will wanted this to be very innovative school and every everyone again the community too to see this as innovation um that they knew if they transformed that learning environment what it looked like even when teachers walked in they knew that learning and teaching in this space was going to be different right so they really wanted to translate that um and so if they transformed their environment they knew that would open the door to transform the teaching and the learning right so if the space looks different probably my teaching needs to look different we're not going to put our desks in rows right mm. um and then that they were their expectation was that was going to right translate over into the community and connect with the community um that the ideology of how what student success was going to look different it wasn't just 26 credits or how many ever credits to graduate high school that the learning and the expectations was going to transform transform what they did in the school um but they knew it was really critical that they had to connect those dots between the teaching um what they were expected like collaboration project-based learning um, allowing students to drive that personalized learning experience um, that t students were going to drive their learning um, was had to be connected to that curriculum that's expected, you know, that that sure. we teach. Um, that then would be connected to those learning environments, um, so that that pedagogy of of how kids were going to learn, and then of course how that translates on you know assessments and things like that, so that they can definitely uh, say that they're you know they're justified that their students are learning. Um, and yeah. so anyway, that's, uh, it, it, it was, uh, this process that they went through to make sure that those, that they looked at how those three things connected. Sure. Yeah. You mentioned the, the desks in, in rows, which, you know, I, was the model that I grew up with. And even to your point about the young, you know, the young student who said, you know, I felt my old school was, was in a box. I mean, that's, that's, that's what we've all uh, known for years and years. Um, but speaking of the furniture and the, like, how, what role did did it play in helping um, teachers facilitate better student outcomes in this project specifically? So, um, so what was really interesting is again, uh, because of the COVID, uh, the school was built, it was furnished, and then they still couldn't inhabit the school until like six months later. So when teachers walked in uh, and the teachers were still trying to be hired because they were doing remote uh, learning, um, they walked in and, and didn't really realize how innovative um, these spaces were going to be. Um, and so, um, and, I, and I'll talk about that in a little, a little more, but, but the focus, you know, for, for the, when they designed the building and how they were going to put the furnishings in, um, again, they really wanted to transform how teaching and learning was going to occur on this campus, right? Mm -hmm. And so, the furnishings that they were really focused on was things that were really flexible, um, things that like flippin'-esque tables, you know, so things could be put down, they could be flipped up, they could be moved, um, things that had writable surfaces where kids could show what they know on top of their desks, right? Mm -hmm. um, but also to maybe push them, uh, flip them, kids do uh, work on top of their desks and flip them and move them off to the side and then use them as presentation stations, right? So I mean, just really kind of out of the box thinking. Um, they wanted to make sure that the furniture could support a variety of collaboration groups. So they really um, tried to uh, evaluate what a rectangle surface was. I thought this was a really interesting aspect. 
Um, knowing that rectangles can really only pod in twos and fours and sixes and eights mm -hmm. and thinking, was that the best collaborative groups that they needed? So thinking in that, uh, how their furniture would pod. So how do you get furniture that pods in odd numbers? Threes, fives, you know, different things like that. Yeah. So they were really conscientious and mindful about how the furniture would actually function in the classroom. Um, they were really focused too, as I said, they wanted the students to be able to personalize their learning. Um, so they wanted students to have choice in their seating. Um, so they made choices with a combination of soft and hard surfaces, um, seating surfaces in uh, their classrooms for comfort. So students could find that seat that worked for them where they could sit and work or could be moved out into a hallway um, so they could take a work surface and a piece of seating out into a hallway or a collaborative space uh, and be able to work. Um, they wanted in all their furniture to make sure that the spaces allowed for um, uh, inclusive environments. So students um, that may have special needs or students um, that may have need accommodations that that furniture would would focus um, and support those those students. Um, but, and then also another thing that I really liked is they focused on having, um, a variety of heights in the classrooms. So students mm -hmm. could be seated, students could be standing, um, and everything was mobile. Everything was on casters. So things could be moved, um, about their space. So, uh, and could be stored, easily moved and stored out of the way if they needed to clear a space to allow, um, students to work on the floor and things like that. So, um, and the last thing, I guess, um, too, that they were very mindful of is the furniture that they put in the classrooms not only functioned in these ways and supported teachers, but was also soothing to the students. Yeah. So um, thinking about the surfaces and laminates and edge banding and chair colors, um, they they really, and it, and it kind of that translation of how it connected with nature. So I thought it was really neat that they picked like for the third story, um, blues so that it kind of translated if you're on the third story really when you looked out windows you saw the sky mm -hmm. so the furniture really focused on blue colors right yeah. and then uh their th second story was yellows uh really muted soft neutral colors but when you looked out you saw the sunshine on that story you know and then the bottom floor was all greens that you focused out because you saw the green meadow and the beautiful, um, there was a forest onto the north side of the building and things like that. So yeah. so just very mindful, very mindful thought and process and planning as they selected their furniture for this building. So. Yeah, yeah. It's incredible how many just different um, variables that, that need to be taken into consideration and, and that they did that in such a thoughtful way is, is just fantastic. Um, but I imagine it presented some challenges, which uh, kind of leads to my next question. So, you know, what, what were the types of challenges that the team encountered along the way and, and how were those overcome? Well, I think this is, I started to answer that question mm -hmm. a while ago and then I cut myself. Okay. Um, <laughs> So one of the challenges was, uh, like I said, the school was built, um, the teachers taught from uh, a remote setting with their students, um, and then were brought into the building. Uh, and, and of course, I mean, I, I, I felt for the teachers and the fact that, you know, they, the school was kind of being built, schools were shut down, teachers had to teach remotely. These teachers didn't even get to know their students. I mean, they hadn't even, this, these are students that were brought in and put into into classes and so there was this 
this culture of building relationships and all these different things. And then the school opens and they're put in these innovative environments without any type of training, mm -hmm. any type of expectation. I'm not even sure they got to, they were able to see the building um, wow. prior to them going in. And so it was kind of a shocker. Um, so that was a huge challenge uh, of bringing um, the, the students and the staff in without there being any type of um, culture built, relationships built, all those kinds of things. Um, so one of the things that Darren always talks about um, is they engaged with their kids remotely. Uh, they had students from uh, four different high schools that were feeding into them uh, and five different elementaries. They had to hire 55 teachers. <laughs> wow. And they hired those people from 15 different schools. So if you right. only think about what it was like to bring these groups together. Um, and, uh, and then they, they had developed a vision and, uh, their vision was, was focused around building these collaborative environments that every kid could be seen, every kid could be heard and every kid felt like they, they belonged, um, onto this campus. So, so that was one of the biggest challenges. And that's, that's really when I, uh, had the opportunity to get involved and, uh, start working with Darren is, uh, our furniture vendor in Canada knew of the challenges that he was going to face and said, hey, can you help him out? And I said, sure, I'd love to. Uh, and so we started working together where I could come in and work with his staff to start translating this vision we've been talking about. How can you use this furniture to transform uh, the learning that was going to to occur on this campus? So so that was one one of the the, the biggest challenges that, sure. that we faced. And, um, and then that was when I was, was able to come in and, and really work with them, which also posed a whole set of challenges because I was going to go up there. Uh, um, we had made an appointment, made a, a time that I was going to go do professional development with the teachers, September 22nd. I remember this very vividly in my head. And as the day kept coming up, we were still dealing with, you know, COVID restrictions between you know, flying and different things. Like right, that. right, right. And so I could get into Canada with no problem. The issue was me getting out and having a COVID test and being able to pr show proof and all those things. Yeah. So at the last minute, uh, because of the complexity of it, uh, we decided to do this presentation uh, remotely. And I was here in Texas and they were there in Canada in the rooms. Mm -hmm. uh, and we ran a four and a half hour professional development session remotely. And, um, it was, it was a challenge, but, yeah, yeah. but it was very successful and, and has right. now set them up a year or two years later. Now they have been happy yeah. at this space and, uh, and have done, uh, the teachers are doing a really amazing job. So, yeah, that's fantastic. And it, yeah, it is so important. I mean, just to your point about spaces are often designed, um, a certain way, but then if the end users don't really understand how to use it. It can, it can go so many different ways. I think it's so important that you have that and that opportunity to really kind of, you know, let the teachers know how this space is intended to function and what the what the benefits that they're going to get out of it. So that's that's really great. So what what's been the impact um, of some of these design interventions um, at at Grandview Heights on the teachers and students? Like, what's how are people responding to it? Yeah. So. That was one of the things um, that that I'm very passionate about when I work with teachers is not just necessarily giving them the why, let them explore the why, um, and have them develop their own uh, 
Like, why would I teach in this environment? What am I going to do to transform learning? How can this benefit my kids, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so in that workshop, what's kind of funny is, is I, I don't really tell them how the furniture works or anything like that. I give them some ideas. And then I let them work in teams and they move the furniture around and they start, you know, finding all these different ways. Well, one of the things that was um, that that we found as we worked through the workshop um, was, you know, I talked about that natural light and uh, glass everywhere and that's the transparency to see. And so it kind of came out um, as part of that is um, I guess we have to take the paper off our windows <laughs> I said, wow. I don't know. What do you think? You know. So when you ask what what has been sustainable, right? And so yep. I just saw Darren. Uh, he and I presented this um, this project that we did together um, last spring at the uh, A4LE conference in uh, Vancouver. And I said, so what's sticking? You know, what's sticking? Mm-hmm. You know. And uh, he he was he said, well, there's no paper on the windows. I said, okay, all right. Whatever yeah, we start. Yeah, that's a great start. <laughs> uh, that the teachers have really embraced this this thought of um, transparency, not only to let people see what cla- what's going on in their classroom, um, but that level of safety, right? That that now as adults we can. Um, well, and that was another thing that came out that they were really struggling with is. We need systems. We need how kids can go into these collaborative rooms. We need all the, you know, that's when I was working with them, that they needed all these rules and how kids, and there is a, that has now just kind of faded in because it's just part of our culture that we trust kids. And we can see them because we've taken the paper off the walls. And so we can see our kids go into those collaboration spaces. We can trust them to be, to do what they're supposed to be doing in that space, right? It's all about how they're really starting to um, live their vision and their mission for this school. Um, And so, and now um, it was about six months after I did the presentation, teachers started going to Darren and saying, we need more furniture that's like this. Mm -hmm. Um, Because now they were moving furniture out of their classrooms and into these collaborative spaces. They were letting the students design their spaces. They were... um, I think I have a quote from a teacher uh, that talks about how they co-collaborate with the students. I love that wow. statement. So mm-hmm. co-collaborating with students design spaces that be- meets the students' needs. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was just, that just blew me away when we when we can look at it from that perspective, right? Yeah. So that's another thing that has really stuck. Um, one thing that I, I really, again, I give Darren a lot of credit for is, um, you know, that sustainability system to train teachers and how he hires teachers now um, to come in. The the way, um, I guess, you know, a couple of things that you look at that, that um, are kind of anecdotal, that uh, um, not really do we know if this is why there's so much growth, but Darren has also said that they've had to bring in the school was built for 1,500 students, um, and they've already had to bring in like a, a mass amount of portables because now their enrollment is like up to 1,700 and, and projected okay. even higher than that. Now, is that because of the school and parents want their kids to go there? Is it growth within the community? I'm not sure, but mm-hmm. 
it does translate that this school means something to the community, right? And it, it, it does have, it's having an impact. Um, and so he's building a sustainability model to train his new teachers of what this looks like. So now the teachers that I worked with um, two years ago are taking on that res responsibility and ownership to train the new teachers, right? So now it's yeah. a culture. It's just built in. As I said, it kind of bleeds throughout the walls. It just, that's how you feel when you just walk into these spaces. This is how we do school, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. so so the, the he says that, that the people that are excited and want to come to his school know that it's it's different here. And uh, so they they really, um, you know, are excited about that. Um, and that, you know, their focus is that learning happens everywhere in the school. Uh, that's a big thing that has really translated. Uh, at first, there was some angst about that atrium, that top level, which was supposed to be all about students. You know, who do we let go out there? And, oh, if they go out there, they're going to be messing around and they're not going to be. Isn't that they, they, the kids, they, they, they own that space. And the teachers, he says, he'll go out there and there'll be teachers hanging out and talking and students hanging out and talking. Uh, so learning is happening everywhere on that campus. Um, and that um, the big thing is they feel like their students have that ownership of the space. Which right. So, yeah, that is, that's amazing. Yeah, it's so great to hear. It sounds like such an amazing project and, and I hope it does become a model uh, in a lot of ways for, for others to look to uh, but in, in the future. Last question for you. Uh, so where can our listeners go to find out more about um, Arcobel or the Grandview Heights uh, School Project? Well, at Arcobel, uh, we have a pretty robust uh, website. So, you know, arcobel.com. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you go to arcobel.com under our, um, I think it's solutions pages, or if you just start, start put in the search um, bar uh, and visit our blog page, which is Next Gen Spaces, uh, we have several articles that are written about transforming learning environments uh, to transform learning uh, is kind of where the, the focus is. Um, also, it has, you know, the plethora all about our products and things like that. Um, but we have some videos up there. I have some learning modules that I've put up for uh, folks who just want to think about how the design of a learning environment can influence learning and some steps and thoughts to, to go through um, in order to um, just to maybe get the the ball rolling or or how to think a little bit outside the box as Grandview Heights did in their process. Um, and then I would encourage anyone uh, to, you know, uh, go on to the Grandview Heights uh, website, uh, see the great things that this school is doing uh, for their students. But also if you just go to YouTube and type in Grandview Heights in Surrey, um, British Columbia, yeah. Uh, you'll be able to find the videos of the, the school being built and some interviews uh, about the school and different things like that, which is which is really uh, exciting because you get to see the process from the ground up. Yeah, well, that's great. I'm definitely going to go do that myself, but probably right after we're done here. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, thank you again for being here, Patricia. It's been great chatting with you. I really appreciate it. Yeah, Robert, I've had a great time and thank you for giving me the opportunity uh, to share our story uh, about this project. It was uh, very exciting and, and um, fun uh, to see uh, this trans transformation and uh, just watch teachers see uh, how, you know, if you like they said, if you transform the learning environment, it makes you change the way you teach and learn uh, or how you provide that learning environment for the students. And it's very empowering and it's very exciting. Yeah. Absolutely. Well said.
Well, for our listeners out there, um, please subscribe to the Art Here Design podcast if you don't already and tell your colleagues about us. Um, thank you again for tuning in. And as always, be well, everyone. Mm-hmm.